Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dean Rogers. Welcome back to the Dean Rogers Show. Today, we got another special guest, Chris Prefontaine. What's up, Chris? Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm uh, I'm excited to dive in today. I'd say this is like a part two, meeting with the Wicked Smart family <laughs> here. And uh, I'm excited because you guys bring a, a ton of value. You guys are super experienced. Um, kind of all started with you. So, Hey guys, welcome to the Dean Rogers Show, where we talk about real deals that we're doing and bring on awesome guests to talk about how they're finding success in their business to inspire and motivate you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. All right, see you on the show. To give everybody a quick background on Chris here, uh, he's a four-time best-selling author. We had to update that before the show. His show notes were three, but now it's four. He's got Sell with Authority for Real Estate Investors, Real Estate on Your Terms, The New Rules of Real Estate Investing, Monica Sawyer's Real Estate Investing for Women, and um, you've got your smartrealestatecoach.com. Uh, where you guys are you're coaching students across the nation doing deals. I'm sure we'll we'll dive into that a little bit. Uh, you have a fit family business. You guys are doing two to five properties per month, doing your own deals, and then you also do ten to fifteen deals a month with students that you're worked on working on active deals. Um, so again, people can find you at Smart Real Estate Coach. There's also a free giveaway if you catch this. We'll mention it again at the end before we close. WickedSmartBooks.com forward slash Dean. If you guys want to get a copy of a free book, you don't even have to pay for the shipping or anything. If you want to get real estate on your terms and deal structure overtime, which Chris told me is basically like going super deep into the weeds, how you structure these deals. I'm the kind of nerd that likes that level of detail. So I got I got perked up when, when you said that and excited. So um, today we're going to really dive in to some juicy, juicy nuggets for you guys. I mean, we're going to rip back the onion. We're going to talk about how do you talk to sellers? How do you even get in the door to talk about creative deals? Because this this is, the, the creative deals have been around forever, but it kind of got neglected and kind of like not talked about. Everybody's talking about it now. It's really important to be able to structure deals and get creative. So uh, Chris, man, I'm excited to have you on the show. Let's give a brief background about you, how you got into it, and then let's just dive into the good, the good stuff here. Yeah, I'll save the um, audience going to sleep because this is my 32nd year. So I'll just give you some, some quick highlights. I, I started in 91, um, building homes literally on terms way back then, didn't use banks even then, didn't know it. I was in my 20s and naive. Um, then I, I uh, built a brokerage, was never a relative, sold it to Cobalt Banker in 2000, and then worked on my own investments from 2000 until the crash. Coached a bunch of people during that too, mostly realtors back then, believe it or not, whereas, whereas now I'm just doing investments. Um, after the crash is why we exist today, though, Dean. That's why I want to fast forward to that because we got I got annihilated financially, mentally, and every other way you can imagine. It took me four mm. years to dig out from, from that mess in, in my head. And so by 2012, we sort of defined what are the what, what are we going to operate with? What, what kind of guidelines? And that's how we exist today. So we don't touch banks, don't sign personally ever on a loan, only exception, maybe your own house. Um, and we don't put up gobs of cash. We don't put on any on some deals, but very little on other deals. And you and I will dive into that. So we're doing that amongst ourselves, like you alluded to, and then all over the country with students, because I think there's an enormous gap when people go to a seminar, take a course, to actually getting a deal done. You know, life happens and it's real and they, they get nuances. 
Uh, so we're in the trenches with them doing that. It's a big difference. Yeah, that's huge. Um, and that's right. I think a lot of people will hear this type of information and then they'll kind of just find ways to not take action on it. You know, that's the biggest gap between the person who is successful and not, it's just taking that action. You might have the information right in front of you. Um, but it, that's why hiring a coach, having a mentor to really hold you accountable, push you forward is uh, critical for, for getting those results. So let's, let's fast forward. So you've, you realize that, Hey, for me to, to find success, I, I, you had to pivot, you had to adjust and you really found and dove into creative finance. Um, what I think is going to be so helpful for so many people listening to this, where there's going to be notes taken, people are going to want to dive in and find out more information is let's set up, let's set the stage with kind of a typical scenario. How do you even get in the door? How do you talk to the seller to let them be open to it? Most, most people in the nation that are buying or selling a house are used to the typical either cash or bank financing, and the, they're done with the transaction. They're no longer a part of it. So to get the seller on board with still somehow being tied to it one way or another, depending upon how it's structured, requires better communication, right? And and a better uh, command for how that gets structured and put together so that you can speak with confidence and get them on board. So let's uh, let's get into that good stuff. What does that look like? How do we talk to them? What are the objections we face? How do we overcome that? Okay, so I'll hit a few things and we can peel back. You let me know if I'm going to go deeper. So here, the base is sort of what you said. You said something about scripts or talking better or getting better at that. The, coming out of the gate, if you're, if you're in the real estate world and all your listeners are and they're coming out of the gate not confident from lack of skill sets, the seller senses that. So let's just start with that. Because if we have hours upon hours of where people can listen to live calls, like live calls, some of them are great, some of them suck. And when you get to know what it sounds like and you increase your confidence, because you, you come across timid, they sense it and they start asking you questions about credibility and how many deals you've done. All that goes away when you're confident and go right at it. So that's number one. Number two, script wise, here's what I want to know when I talk to a, a seller. This is not about rapport, it's about credibility. And here's why there's a difference. When I, once I'm scripted, so let's assume you, you have the skill set, you've gone through scripts, you're comfortable talking. Okay, all I really wanna know when I call a seller, I don't care where I got the lead, for sale by owner, uh, free and clear house, expired, doesn't matter. I wanna know what were your plans if you had sold already? Like, where are you going? How soon do you need to do that? And what, here's the key, what's the plan if it doesn't happen? Because it's, it's great for them to say, I want cash. Yeah, everybody does. I kid them and say, everybody wants cash, full price tomorrow. I get it. But reality is, and then we get into a little bit of fair, one of them is right now there's about 17%. If you talk to top mortgage brokers, 17% of buyers qualifying out of all their apps they get. And that, I've been using that number for years. It's getting worse. I used to say 20% qualify. So once you educate the seller, then I, I really, really think, Dean, it's a matter of, some patience, unless they're in dire straits financially, but most of the people aren't. Um, patience meaning this, you talk to someone, I talked to someone yesterday for a student, let me use a live deal. And the gentleman's super nice, him and his wife, we had him very close to, they don't need their cash now, that's key. It's a second home, they'll take it over time as long as they get their price. Okay, so all the things lined up motivation wise, I don't need my cash now, I'm open. 
Then he got a little squirrely and said, well, maybe I'll just try it first on the open market. So when I said, you'll be patient, what I said to this guy was yesterday, he said, hey, listen, he, he expected me to push him as an investor. I said, go ahead and try it for 30 days. It, it sounds like it's the best thing to you, even though I'd love a deal with you. I said, after 30 days, the market's going to scream loudly. You're either going to have it sold, or you're going to have a ton of activity, or you're going to be calling me back for plan B. He said, that's fair. It's almost like I was looking out for his needs and not caring about mine. They sense that too. So mm -hmm. where are you going if, if, it, if it had sold or if it does? How soon you want to be there or need to be there if it's a job reload or something? And then what if it doesn't happen? That's the key question. Well, then, then you know when to follow up with them. So that's just opening the door. The key question prior to that is, hey, I noticed your house on for 350000 If I got you to your price, I haven't even seen your home yet. But if I got you to your price, are you open to doing that on owner financing or lease purchase? In other words, you need your money right away or not. Um, if I'm talking to you and you got to move your family to another house, like you have to do that, you need your equity, there's not a conversation at all. If you yep. say, I'll just keep lowering it until it goes. So I could keep going, but I don't know if that's where you're going with an opening script. That's an idea anyway. Yeah. So uh, you said a couple of things here. Um, I want to go back to the first thing you mentioned, and, and I, I couldn't agree more. This goes for if you're making a cash offer or especially creative deal because you're getting a little bit more complex. Um, sellers are going to tell if you sound confident or not. How do you build confidence as someone that's new? How do you how do you find a way to, you know, speak with confidence? Because confidence doesn't necessarily come from knowing all the answers. I mean, certainly experience helps. I mean, that's the obvious answer. There's no question about that. The easy, easy, easy answer is experience. But for someone new, how can they speak more confidently? Uh, a couple of things come to mind and, and how and what I've seen. One is certainly studying scripts. Like you you play football, correct? Yep. I did my homework. Okay. You would never think about going on the field without studying everything. Well, it's the same uh, movie stars. Every, we got to study. So I know that's not necessarily going to give them a pill for conference, but it starts there. And the second one is uh, we, have, we encourage them to role play within our community, within the Wicked Smart community. Grab someone else that's in the same state as you or a little ahead of you and role play that out. So by the time you get to, just like sports, by the time you get to that call, it's sort of a, it's way easier than the role play because you've role played everything already. They're not going to ask you every question under the sun. So I, role play, study, role play, and then listen ad nauseum to the recorded live calls. The best of our students have said things to me like, hey, I went for a run. I listened to your calls nonstop. I'm in my car. I listen to your calls nonstop. So they just, it's like a song, you know, you get, you listen to it so many times, you know what's coming out next. That's the way you want to get with these calls. It's almost like you, you can't wait like to the sell, like, ask me, ask me. I, I got it. Like, I, I understand it. That increases the confidence. And then last is having some people on your shoulder. So we do this with our students, and, and some communities do, some don't. But I want, I want them to feel like if they're on a call with a seller and they get to the point where they're getting a little squirrely and they don't feel comfortable, they can stop and say, hey, you know what? I got enough information. I'm going to have one of my associates give you a call. And then one of the coaches or I call that increased the conference dramatically. Then I record the call for them and that's how they learned. Yeah, I, I think it couldn't be more true. I mean, going back to, to football and I love using the sports analogy, you know, we would practice all week for hours each day running the same place. There you go. 
until we got it right. And I, I, there's a, there's a meme, uh, not even a meme. It's, uh, you know, just a little social media, short video going around where it's talking about, you know, the greats don't, uh, do it until they get it right. They do it till they can't get it wrong. You know, like that's the thing that's going around. I keep seeing in social media right now. And it's true. You know, you're going to build your confidence by getting in the repetitions and you, you're, you're going to get experience and practice doing it live calling real sellers, but you should really prep and practice before that. Right. 100%, you need to be yeah. staring, staring yourself in the mirror. You need to be repeating things back, going through the script. You need to get on the phone with other people. Right. That's why it's great to be a part of a community. You and I will, you know, say that till our face turns blue. But yep. getting with other people and practicing, that's the best way to build the confidence because you're going to hear yourself say it out loud and make adjustments to your style. And if you're following a script from somebody who's very experienced and had a lot of success, then chances are you're going to be saying words that have power, have meaning, and and that are gonna get you closer to answers you need. And to add to everything you said, because um, everything you said, I agree with. The one other thing that I could think of is practice, work that muscle of asking good questions. You know, that's the whole deal. Hey, when, when you're not the smart person in the room and you don't know the information, usually you have to ask questions. Well, a lot of the best salespeople keep that going. Right. They, they, let's say it's the seller in this point. You just keep asking them questions and you can learn what those good questions to ask are. You just ask questions, you get answers. Usually they, they give you all the answers you need. Right. Yeah. Because you're asking good questions. This is huge. You brought this up because here's what I hear instead. And then I'll tell you a fix to it. I, a new student gets nervous. So instead of asking questions that's logical, they feel like they got to fill the air. Mm-hmm. And I call a seminar. They give them a seminar. They try to let me tell you how I buy. They don't give a crap how you buy. They they <laughs> want you to solve whatever problem. This whole script thing, and then I'll then I'll give you another fix. In my opinion, is finding out what the heck they want. That's why I started that story. You're either you're either solving a problem for them, or in a case of a free and clear, you're helping them accomplish a goal that they didn't otherwise accomplish on the open market. That's it. And if you can't, it's okay. Um, the the biggest the biggest uh, shortening of a learning curve that I've seen is critiquing live calls. So you're a brand new student, you come in, you you record your calls, you send them to your coach. And I work with some of the higher level people now still personally. So I'll put the headset in, I'll listen to the call and I'll type as they're talking, give them all the feedback and send it right back to them. They make the tweaks, they, they do another call and they send me that one. I can literally hear the changes, right? So that's a, that's a, a, a way to cut your learning curve down dramatically, dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. I think when it comes to, um, I, I love that what you said too. That, that's what I was thinking uh, as soon as you started saying it is oftentimes the the nervous, less experienced, didn't practice enough person getting started. They're trying to sell. They're trying right. to sell to the seller why they're the best fit, why they're so great when clearly, you know, they're lacking experience. So to try to make up for that, I'm a, I'm a cash buyer. I can close quick. You know, we can get all your problems solved and uh, we've done a bunch of deals and, you know, chances are they haven't yet. And that the seller doesn't want to hear that. Right. No, they don't care. They, they, they can tell you're credible typically by your confidence that you speak with. Now, sure. You got to let them know that I've actually done deals. This is the typical, but usually 
that credibility that you're going to you're going to um portray to the seller is going to come through just sharing some stories. Oh yeah, we worked with someone recently like this and and through the storytelling is where they feel confident. All right, let's let's see how you can help me solve my problem, right? Um so I kind of want to dive in. We'll come back to the script because I want to I want to peel back some more of that as well. What's the best place for somebody to go find some of these deals? You mentioned it, it really jumped out to me. You're either solving their problem because they weren't able to sell it on the open market, or you know, it just was the right time and right place for them for for that type of transaction. Where's the best place for for people to start looking for these creative deals and and attract or find sellers that are really in this yeah. position? There's all kinds of niched lists, but I'll tell you sort of our base, and then I'll and then I'll tease a few of the niches. The base is for sale by owner, like everyone else would do. It just when I'm calling instead of a realtor, and I was a realtor for years, so I'm not knocking it. I just know that I can feel the energy on the phone when they go, Are you a realtor? Nope, I shouldn't buy your house. The wall comes down. You can feel it. You can hear it. So for sale by owner, expired listing. For rent by owner is good now because you get a lot of tired landlords. So for rent by owner. And then I love uh, absentee, meaning out-of-state owners, wherever you are, out-of-state owners and that are free and clear. The third of the properties in the United States are free and clear. It's a big pond to fish in, and many of them are not on the market. You're not competing with that. I, I was telling you off air, I bought my office building. I'm at home tonight, but I bought my office building, owner financing from a free and clear owner. Uh, can you imagine going through commercial underwriting? Like I wouldn't even do it. I'd rather I'd rather shoot myself in the foot. I, such a this pain. was such an easy transaction, just doing it with the, with the guy on the property. So yeah, you can find them. Uh, those are the base lists though. I love that. If you guys didn't hear that, I'm going to repeat it so I can hear it myself. Think of the avatar. Think of the avatar, the seller who doesn't need cash now, doesn't need a big rip or chunk of ch uh, cash right now who's willing to wait to get their price, who maybe doesn't want to take a big chunk of money coming in right now, right? Right. For sale by owner, they're already testing the market out, probably not in a big rush. They really want to get their price. They're convinced they can get their price. They can sell it themselves, right? Um, expired listings, they give it a try. Didn't work out. Uh, for rent by owner, um, is I get that one right? Yeah, they just you get a lot of tired landlords in there. You can actually buy a list now, tired landlords. It's crazy. Oh, interesting. Um, I don't know how they do that. <laughs> where they pull it, they pull it. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be some formula of uh, they've owned it for a certain number of years. and um, Yeah, maybe it's different stuff like that. But think about it. Someone's got a property for rent. It's uh, clearly something they've owned for a while. You can maybe even see in the pictures, it's not fully remodeled and updated and everything. They're just, they've been holding on to that thing, right? They might be just done with it. Uh, and then you got out of state, free and clear landlords. So own a property, you don't even live in the area. It's just bringing in money. Hey, you know what? Sure, maybe I'll become the bank now. I don't have any repairs I got to deal with. No tenants I have to deal with. I still get a check every month. Sure, why not? You know, or it's a second home, you know, out of state, second home. Yep. Yep. Second home too. Yeah. Great point. So that's the avatar right there. You just described it. That's huge golden nuggets. If you guys hadn't been looking into those kind of lists, you hadn't thought about it, makes perfect sense to me. So um, let's go back to 
with that context, the the type of seller you're dealing with, when you're having conversations with them, how do you how do you break the ice to get into creative? You know, is and I know you you mentioned kind of like asking them some preliminary questions, but how do you get them to be truly into it, open to it? Um, and what are the best questions to kind of ask them? Yeah, I would, I honestly, no matter what the list is, ask them that question about needing their money right up front. So I related to the price. Uh, Dean, I noticed you're on for half a million, whatever. I hypothetically, if I can get you there, are you open to owner financing or lease purchase? Now, half the people say, what's that? The other half go, I don't own a financing, you know, own a financing, like I told you earlier, even, even master leases, 1600s, like before banking. But, but it's not as mainstream. So that's my first question. Then, even if they say no, if they say no or yes, it doesn't matter. If they say no, I, I ask, well, why do you say that? Usually they're saying it because they don't know what the heck it is. Uh, and then I get into those three key questions. Well, all right, let me just, before we get to detail, let me just ask you where you were going, how soon, and what if it doesn't work? That's it. That tells you that tells you that you be quiet after that third question. It's going to tell you their whole motivation. Um, I, I, I have to move. I need the money. I'll sell it lower. Um, I'm screwed. I got to go out of state there. What do you mean if it doesn't sell? I got to sell by that. Okay, I'll give you a call for my plan B. Like you will know if they're going to be a candidate or not. And the gentleman that I gave you the live script on that I called yesterday for one of our students, she's actually a relative, but she's in our community. Uh, I knew he wasn't in a hurry. I knew he didn't want to be pushed. And I knew that if he doesn't sell in the open market, he's going to call me first because I really gave a hoot about what he was doing. So it's all, it's all digging into questions. And if you're not sure what questions to ask to your point earlier, make one up. Let, it gives you time to think. Um, what if, if I was to buy your house tomorrow, I'm curious, is there any repairs that are immediate? Or if you were going to stay in your house, what would you do next? Yep. Just let them talk and you can think and just calm down and think for the next question. That's all. Yeah. I think that's. I think those questions are really great for um, setting up creative because it really paints the picture. You know, when when I go through my scripts, <clears throat> most of the deals we're doing are your typical cash purchases, right? I don't. I don't know yeah. nearly as many creative. <clears throat> excuse me. Even though I've done some, but you need to understand what their motivation is. You need to understand condition of the property, um, who's living there, right? Um, what the situation is there. Their timing is really important. Um, I like to ask about decision makers, any roadblocks they have. You got to get to the price. All, all those things I call the puzzle pieces. And, yep. and for you, you're getting straight to those puzzle pieces that really matter, whether it's like, hey, this is this is in uh, likeliness or unlikeliness kind of category. Now, if they say no, do you feel like with creative financing, um, you're having to convince and get them on board and, and interested in it? Or is it almost a layup deal if it's the right fit? How do you feel about that? Like, is it yeah. is there a lot of convincing or is it just like, oh, when it's the right person, it's super easy. When it's not the right person, it's you not even on. worth it. We move on. Yeah. What's that look yeah. like? You, no, good way of putting it because it's not convincing. It's not. It's no different. This would be a good analogy. It's no different than an accountant, an attorney, a dentist, a doctor. They're, they're doing what? They're not selling you. They're solving something. That's all this is. So you got to listen. You got to ask questions like you said. If they say no out of the gate, of course, the scripts, there's a, there's a bunch of scripts. But if they say no out of the gate and they want cash, as I said earlier, I chuckle and say, oh, I, I understand 99% of the homes I buy, not that I speak with, that I buy, 
the seller wanted all cash and 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 uh, full price. I get that, but and then that we dropped that fair seed nicely. Uh, you know, the buyers are drying up, the banks are getting tougher. So, what is your plan B if it doesn't sell? I don't need a plan B. I'll drop the price. And again, the, the questions I went into earlier, you will find out. So it is. I'm gonna call it a slam dunk team, but it is. If you find out that they can wait and you find out you can truly solve their issue, you're golden. You really are. And if not, you're not convincing them. If they if they need their cash to go do something else, you're moving on. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So what are the type of issues? Because I know in the real estate investing world, the type of transactions that, that me and my team are doing, it's all about problem solving. The only reason there's a deal yeah. that comes together is we're solving a problem. Now, with with the creative financing structure, um, they're not necessarily getting their money now, right? We've already talked about that. What is it? What are the typical problems that we're solving um, when when that is a good solution for them? What is it? Is it just one? Is it a couple different? What are the typical solutions that you're solving? Yeah, I'll give you a bunch in no particular order. I'll think through deals in my head as I say them. So my office building was busy street, very popular area. I live on an island. So every realtor and everybody and their brother saw this building, but he did not, they kept coming in with offers and he did not want a cash offer for estate planning and tax reasons. Wow. He wanted an owner financing deal and they just didn't get it. Like the local realtors didn't get it. Wow. So I came in and offered him what he wanted. He wanted an owner financing deal, right? Who would have thought? Um, that, that was that was him. Um, that was simple because he was advertising for it, but simple, but nobody did it with him. Um, real, we had a realtor on the water, million dollar home. Boston, Massachusetts realtor, couldn't sell her own home. Why? After we dug into it, realized, again, we're solving something. Her mom lived there. She was ill. She wanted to rid herself of the property responsibility and liability and everything else as she was cleaning up the estate, but wanted to stay there a little while. Mm. Well, in Ocean Front Home, people didn't want to do that. They wanted to pay a million dollars and get in. So we let her stay there. Um, and we, we bought her home on her financing. And four years later, we did, I don't know, it was over a quarter of a million, but as you know, from having Zach on the show, we create three paydays every deal. So yep. it was super lucrative. We just solved for what she needed. Now, those are simple because those are owner financing free and clear. Other times um, in this market where interest rates were low, we're grabbing properties from the other side of the coin where people aren't well off and they're, they're, they're stressed financially. And they might, so they have a second home, COVID hit, they just couldn't keep it up and they need relief. So we're buying that home with low, low interest rates in place. Um, divorce, all the life things that do happen over time, right? They do happen over time, no matter where you are. Um, neat thing about real estate is over time, things change. And that's why it's important to be patient. So divorce, death, uh, reload, uh, military areas are fantastic. We do a lot of deals with with, um, with uh, VA people uh, because they, they got to move and they've got these houses sitting everywhere. Uh, in my area, that that's the case. Virginia, um, we got students there. The, I, any life event. Literally any life event or tax planning or, or, or estate planning. Yeah, those those make perfect sense. Um, do you feel like for creative finance deals that there's, you know, you can consider the real estate investing transactions that take place in the market. I could be off on the percentage, but they say something like, you know, 95% or 96% of real estate transactions happen with a realtor, the traditional everyday way that most people are accustomed to. And the remaining five or so percent, again, I could be off, but whatever, 5% is real estate investing transactions happening off market. Now, majority of those are probably going to be more of your type of cash purchase type of deals. Is it a, um, 
you know, is it difficult to find deals? Is it just uh, a numbers game and you got to do more numbers? What's your perspective on that in terms of being able to find these opportunities? Yeah, a few ideas. Good question. Uh, th this is a deep one. I'll, I'll do a few things. One is, I don't, those stats are tough. Like I've tried to Google how many transactions are done outside of a bank. Really, like I've looked everywhere. Here's some things that, that I got, generalities. Uh, back in the early 90s, when I started, about literally two or 3% of the deals were done outside of banks. So creative in some shape, form, or fashion. I don't know the exact number, Dean, but I know it's climbing in the teens somewhere. That's a lot. So yeah. that's just a metric. Another cool stat is right now, Wall Street Journal did this. So this is not my 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 idea. This is a Wall Street Journal report in August that the fractured closings, closings that get to the closing table conventionally and then die, fractured closings, it was like 20% in climbing in August. It's only going to get worse because of the banks. That's cool for creative financing is why I'm adding that to, to your question. Because yeah. that just screams, help me. Like someone guide me. These banks are driving me nuts, you know, that type of thing. Um, for the third time in 50 years, Third time, that's it. In 50 years, we have an affordability problem. And the 50-year the interest rate is like 7.7 .7 or whatever it is, I'm close. We're not even there yet. We're, there's already a big affordability problem. What's going to happen if they climb higher? I don't know if they're going to, but what, if, what happens? So again, now you just displace all kinds of buyers who need creative financing. So it's not just sellers. It's buyers and sellers. So all these stats add up to me, probably why you're saying, yeah, a lot of people are talking about it now. Zach may have said this on his show. We have big companies like wholesalers, flippers coming to us going, hey, all our students, they're like stuck because some of their deals are drying up. Can you guys show us how to do creative? That's cool. That's That hasn't happened in my 32 years, that kind of demand that's happening right now. That's that's interesting. And I, I think the real estate market industry, real estate industry as a whole, and really, guess I guess you could even just take this even more macro and say the world itself. Look at the you know the financial markets and crypto and all that kind of stuff. Like people are going against the traditional way, right? More and more. So I think that's why we're seeing a rise in creative finance conversations about it, education about it, transactions happening because people are just more willing and able to do things outside of the norm. So um, I love that. That's great. Now, yeah, think about it, Dean. Think about the average. I went for financing on a 17% LTV loan, 17 to get something done with a project personally, because I don't do it usually. And my wife said, what do normal people do? Meaning, you know what you're doing, Chris, and you were frustrated with the bank. What? A, it's hard now. The banks are not easy. So why mm. deal with them? I know it's a general comment, but I just don't have any patience for them. Yeah. They're they're uh, they're like dinosaurs, you know. They're moving slow. They're going extinct. Yeah, difficult to work with. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I totally get it. Well, uh, man, there's just a lot of good stuff here. So much good details that we dove into. I think there's a lot of value that that people are going to get out of uh, uh, today's show. Um. So for people, if you guys want to get connected with Chris, go to smartrealestatecoach.com. You can also go to wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash Dean to get your free book, Real Estate on Your Terms and the Deal Structure Over Time. Uh, Chris, so thank you so much for your time on the show. Any last words you want to give the audience? Uh, yeah, I, I like doing this. So real quick, um, I, it doesn't matter what niche you're in, cash, flip, well, it doesn't matter, creative, but do this for yourself. The market's right now screaming that it needs more people doing this the right way. 
So find a niche somewhere in real estate that you can get behind, whether it's you like helping people, you like being behind a computer, whatever, find a niche that fits you. Then find someone in that niche that's been through some economic cycles and that's where you want to be in life, not just real estate, because you can screw up your life and be successful, right? We don't want that. And then third, put the blinders on, no shiny objects, three years minimum. You'll have a good experience if you do that. I don't care if you open a restaurant, that'll work. That simple three-step formula. I love that. Thanks so much, Chris. Uh, ben, thank you. Make sure you guys connect with Chris. I, I say this over and over. Uh, if you guys are focused on networking and connecting with other people, it's going to help you grow so much faster. So thanks so much time for your, for your time, Chris. And until next you time, bet. peace. Awesome. Thanks, buddy.